Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Every once in a while, God puts somebody in your life that just makes you want to cry. Just makes you want to cry because of the goodness of God is flowing out of this person. And I can't wait. Uh, during Afternoons with Bill Arnold today, we're going to have a conversation with Pastor Jonathan Borman. And for me, he is that person. Crying tears of joy, gratitude. As we look at Mark chapter 11, 12 through 25, as Jesus is showing us grace, the fig tree, and Jesus overturning tables in the temple. Now, ever since you can remember, Jonathan Borman wanted to be a pastor. And he served, he learned, he loves learning, he's planted churches, he's served in big churches and small churches. He's been all over the place. He's a writer, a commentator, on a podcast called The Notable. But mostly, he just wants to love people, invest in those relationships, and hold to the promises of Jesus with them. And it will be evident in this conversation today. He is a special person, and we are honored um, that he is joining Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. So, Pastor, welcome to the program. Oh, wow. Thank you for that gracious introduction. I don't deserve that, but I'm so pleased to be here. See, I told you. He's also humble. So um, let's go to Mark chapter 11, 12 through 25, and I'd just like to read it. It starts with Jesus cursing the fig tree. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Then Jesus clears the temple. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a place, a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. And the next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. There's a lot that happens, Pastor, in those 13 verses. And so let's just unpack it. Um really kind of verse by verse as we go back to Jesus first looking for something to eat and then curses the fig tree. Why did he curse the fig tree in the first place? I mean, verse 13 says it wasn't even the season for figs. 
Yeah, really a lot of tension there. Ben, thanks for asking. We've got, uh, I think, really, really interesting miracle here. One-of-a-kind miracle. Um, you may or may not already know that this is, in, in the Gospel of Mark, it is the only time that where Jesus does a miracle that explicitly and only results in destruction. So in the tradition around these verses, as we talk about the blasting of the fig tree, actually, that's historic language for what happened here with this miracle. So it's significant. Here's Jesus. Um, he, Jesus is cursing here. Jesus is decreating here. Jesus is demolishing here. And it certainly gets our attention. What in the world is... Some people look at it, uh, Ben, like this. They, they say, this is kind of a bad look for Jesus. This is kind of... <laughs> Jesus wakes up in the morning. Um, did he, did he, and, and people get silly about it. I think we can get a little past the silliness of it. Like they'll say, this is hangry Jesus. This is um, Jesus who gets up on the wrong side of the bed. And the, I'll, first of all, before I critique that, I think we can affirm it by saying, I am glad that people realize Jesus is truly human. Yeah. He is true. He, he got hungry. He truly is human. But then I would also say, don't project. We're the ones who go on road trips and get hangry, not just hungry. That's not Jesus. What Jesus does here is he actually makes a um, right judgment about the tree, because here's what's happening. We find this out. A fig tree leaves out, and when it does, it, when it first leaves out, and this one had leafed out, it was supposed to have sweet little nodules that you could, that travelers could grab onto um, and, and consume um, when they're hungry. Those little nodules would then turn on to turn into full-on figs later in the year. But what, what what Jesus found out when he approached the tree is that the tree was wrong. It wasn't working right. What was happening is that it, the tree was pouring all of its energy into the leaves, so it actually wasn't producing any of those nodules. And so Jesus realizes that he sees that, and all he does is he makes the correct judgment. He says, "This tree is broken. This tree is wrong." And he says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And, what, and what's really interesting, and this creates more tension for us, is Mark very subtly, but very um, uh, critically writes then, and his disciples heard him say it. Mm. So we are supposed to view this miracle, this destructive miracle of Jesus, and reflect on it. So that's the first thing I want to say about it, Ben. So, okay, so as we're reflecting on it right now, what does it mean for us? Uh, is there a, a metaphor for believers, new believers? The way, the way that Mark sets it up like this, and th th this is, he's very sophisticated here, is he actually, if, re if you read the text very carefully, he creates what we call a Mark sandwich. So he starts telling the story of the fig tree, he breaks off telling the story of the fig tree, and he inserts another story. So that's the sweet part in the middle. That story is the story of the clearing of the temple courts, which we want to examine a little bit more. And then he finishes the sandwich by finishing up the story of the fig tree. So the way that we're supposed to interpret for ourselves the story of the fig tree is by understanding what Jesus does in the temple courts, hmm. which it, we, we have to push on that a little bit. We just have to push on that a little bit. Okay, so well, what, what, let's push right? on it what then, because just go back to those 
again, deep emotions that Jesus had as he walks into the temple and, and you see him and you hear of him overturning tables. And I would imagine people are looking going, what is all of this commotion that's happening? And Jesus says these words that you've turned this into a den of thieves. And that the teachers and the rulers of the law, they obviously, they, they take notice too of what's going on. And he is, you know, overturning the way things are and they're not happy. And that's when they say, we're going to kill him. So check this out, Ben. Let's draw some parallels. Out. I'm so glad you you know you brought us into that second story. So the first story, fig tree. Second story, um, clearing of the temple's courts. Let's draw the parallels out. What is happening in both tree and temple? There is a frenzy of activity yeah. in both tree and temple. A lot of stuff, a lot of energy is being expended. Josephus says that there were 200. 5,500,000 transactions that were ha- happening in the temple courts. This was, of course, just before the Passover. Even more, even more transactions going every single day. Hundreds of transactions are happening. So there's all kinds of things happening on the tree, all kinds of things happening in the temple, but none of the right things, Ben. That's the point. None of the right things. And what Mark is, is, is saying, what Jesus is saying, is you can have all of the right religious activity. You can do all of the things. You can go committee, committee, committee. You can go church service, church service, church service. But if but if the real fruit isn't there, a heart for God, prayer, loving people, right? This was the temple was supposed to be a space where people are loved, where people can pray. If that's not happening, it's all wrong. And now we know what Jesus is going to do about it, right? He's going to, right? Right. Yeah, no, we absolutely know. Um, and we just go back to that that deep emotion, that almost chaos is probably what it seemed like for people on the outside, which doesn't seem like something Jesus, the Jesus that we know, right? And that's for as a Bible reader and as a Jesus follower and lover of Christ, like this doesn't seem like the Jesus that I know. Mm, ben, part of me wants to say you got to come back after the break because we got to talk about that we got to handle that and i have a lot to say about that (laughs) you should be a radio guy because we have to take a break right now we're talking to pastor jonathan borman we're talking about the fig tree in the temple we're in mark 11 12 through 25 afternoons with bill arnold my name is ben and you're listening to faith radio Hi, this is Bill Arnold. You might be the kind of person that goes to Paris and still listens to Faith Radio on the app. Or you might be more like the person that goes into the next room in your apartment and listens. The good news is, is using the app is just as easy in both places. Downloading the free app is crazy easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. And if you happen to be in Paris, there is a really nice little coffee shop not far from the Eiffel Tower that serves a really nice chocolate biscotti. The Fig Tree in the Temple on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. We're in Mark chapter 11, 12 through 25 with Pastor Jonathan Borman. Uh, He pastors a church in Mankato, Minnesota, St. Mark's Lutheran. If you get the opportunity, you can find him on Facebook. You can find him online, too. Um, This pastor is... 
just one of those people that, you know, God puts in your life. God puts people in your life and you just thank him for those people. And so um, I'm grateful that you're you're coming back to um, have conversations with us here on Faith Radio, Jonathan. And before the break, I said that as we're learning about Jesus and we're watching him curse the fig tree, we see him go into the temple. He's overturning tables. I said something that that um, had an intense uh, reaction from you, and I can't wait to hear your answer because I said that this doesn't this just doesn't seem like the Jesus that we know. This seems like a different Jesus. And what's your response to that? It's the same Jesus, and I want to tell you why. Here is a Jesus who loves us enough to call us to repentance. Mm. He is pointing to the things in our lives that are externally right, but internally wrong. So that, uh, and that's an act of love. It's a great act of love. And so I, I want, I, and I want to press on that just a little bit because now we have to do, we talked about a Mark sandwich. We have to finish mm. the story because what happens is they, they come back the next day, Jesus and his disciples do. And what ends up happening is they see this blasted fig tree, and it's really blasted. I mean, really bad. The text says that it's withered from the roots up. Mm. And Peter sees that, and he has the guts to say this. He says, Rabbi, the tree you cursed has withered. Mm. And so now we as believers are looking at, wow, Jesus can really curse stuff. And in fact, what he does here, and just to, just to put a point on this, is it's withered from from the roots up. So it's significant because what that means is that there's not going to be a shoot coming out of that trunk, right? Like trees in the Bible become a symbol of resurrection because they, a shoot comes up from a stump. They can still have life, not this tree. He, Jesus straight up cursed this tree into eternal oblivion. I mean, he it was this is eternal death. And so uh, this, uh, what a strong call, right? Like we got to turn... We got to turn now. Now, Peter doesn't, I, I don't think he gets it, Ben, I don't, because he goes, uh, Rabbi, look, the tree cursed has withered. And most commentators read that and they say, here's what's going on. And this is really interesting. Commentators are going to say, here's what Peter is doing. He is saying, wow, Jesus, you really did that. Can I do that too? Can you please teach me how to do that? <laughs> which is which is an amazing comment because it's like, to, to put this like in a really colloquial way, Peter is saying, Jesus, wow, that's a cool bazooka. Can I have one? <laughs> and, and which is, wow, that is insensitive, right? If he's actually doing that. The, the point is different. What the question that Jesus really wants us to ask is, Jesus, how do I make sure that that gun never gets trained on me? Mm. That's, see, that's the point. And, 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 and this is, uh, man, I, I hope our listeners like jump out of their chairs or whatever, their cars or whatever. Don't do that. Keep driving safely. But whatever you're doing, check this out because there's a couple key things here. Number one, with this miracle, remember it's Jesus' only destructive miracle, which tells you this He doesn't want to do it. What does He want to do? For that, you have to look at the rest of His miracles. What does He want to do? He wants to heal your body. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to calm your seas. He wants to uh, exercise all your demons. He wants to resurrect your body. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to do this. And, and, the, and the proof of that is not only that this is his only one like this, but secondly, because he doesn't 
at, he doesn't do this to a person, Ben. He does it to a tree, which tells you he doesn't want to do it to anybody. He wants us to turn to him in faith and love and power. And the last part of the text, Ben, which is so memorable, is um, him telling us how to do that. Mm. Did you notice that? I did. And I thank you for unwrapping what was going on with Peter there, because I wondered why. Why why was that in the text? And then the answer, I think, in in verse, what was it, uh, verse 22, when Jesus responds, um, which in verse 23, for me, I think is confusing because he says, have faith in God. I assure you that whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and doesn't waver, but believes that what is said will really happen, it will happen. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you will receive it and it will be for you. Now, that's confusing for me. And I think that that's confusing for so many people that are praying for really hard stuff. How do you have mm. faith? How do you have faith that the, the mountain will be thrown into the sea? How do we not waver but believe that what is said will really happen and it will happen? Yeah, thank, thanks, Ben. So, so three, uh, for, first comment, what is Jesus doing in our hearts? What does he want in our hearts? What kind of fruit does he want in our lives? Um, and there's uh, three answers to that. One, he wants faith in our hearts in God. That's the, that's the big thing. He wants faith in our hearts in God. Two, he wants hope in our hearts in God. That's what prayer is about. Prayer um, is prayed, hopefully, that God is willing and and can uh, come into our lives and make our lives uh, right again, the way that they're supposed to be. And then three, love. Faith, you maybe notice the, the Christian Faith, triad. Love. Yeah, the greatest of these Faith, is love, right? Yeah. Because what, is, what did he say? For when, you, when you stand praying, right, like in, in your own heart, in the, in the temple of your own heart, I don't want you to have resentments there. I don't want you to have, uh, if there's deep trauma there, I want you to work at the discipline of letting that go. Um, I want there to be love for all nations there, all people there. So it's faith, hope, and love. And and so you ask, like, well, how can I pray that way um, with so much hope? And uh, this is what I this is what I would say about it, is don't lawyer the verse. Like some people come at the verse and they say, well, I've never seen the Mount of Olives tossed into the Dead Sea, which is what Jesus is talking about here. And and you're right, we haven't. But I'll tell you what we all have seen is that God. I'm going to quote one of the church fathers here. God will either do exactly what you ask, or he will do something bigger and better. Mm. That's what he's always going to do. Sometimes I like to tell Christians, the answer is always yes, <laughs> in a certain sense. I know, I know sometimes when we work this out theologically, there's, there's a certain no, like, like the country song says, where you pray for something and you say, thank God for unanswered prayers because <laughs> it wasn't the right one. But I would say another way to understand is it like the church father said, is that it's always a yes. Um, but if, if it's a different yes, it's just bigger and better. Mm. And that's what God does. He loves you so much that he will say yes to all your prayers, um, except sometimes he's just going to do it bigger and better. He's going to make it better. He loves you that much. That's what Jesus is saying. And I've got a proof for that, Ben. I got a proof for that. You that's ready? Right. Yeah, let's hear it. I can't wait. So uh, this is obviously, Mark is, Mark is a sophisticated writer. 
and he expects us to be sophisticated readers. And he's, he doesn't spell all this stuff out for us. He wants us to read this text in the story very, very carefully. That's very clear. And so look at the foreshadowing here. Here's what happens. We are in Mark chapter 11. We know what's going to happen next, right? Jesus curses a tree. That tree gets blasted. What's going to happen next in Mark? I'll tell you. Jesus himself is going to get cursed, and he's going to get blasted on a tree. Mm. So what, what does that mean? How can you trust God this way? I'll tell you, Mark is telling you that it's by looking at Jesus. Because when you look at Jesus, you see that you can trust God. No matter what pain is going on in your life, no matter what mess is going on in your life, you can see God is faithful. He is trustworthy. He keeps all of his promises to everybody. To, to put it another way, there is no mountain he won't toss into the sea if he's got to do that for you, even if, even if it means he has to take all of your empty frenzy and empty religion, all, all the leaves but no fruit, and toss into the sea so that he can have you. So Jesus is saying, look, I am going to take your curse, the curse that you deserve. I am going to die the death that you deserve. I'm going to take the eternal punishment that you deserve. And so that you can live with the Father, with the blessed faith in life. Does that help? Is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I, you know, as, as we have friends and, and family members across the Faith Radio listening audience, that are hearing this right now that have more questions or maybe are ready to give their life to Jesus because of what they've just heard over the last 25 minutes, I want to encourage you to text the word FAITH to 41224. If you're just understanding and hearing and and coming to this realization that God will do anything for you, that he loves you so much that he gives and gives and gives and gives, be the most important text you'll ever make today to start a brand new relationship and to go on an adventure of a lifetime. Text the word faith to 41224. Pastor Jonathan Borman, I just, as we wrap up this conversation about the fig tree in the temple, you know, um, the reminder at the end to forgive other people so that you may be forgiven by God. I found that to be so interesting there at the end. Yeah, here, here we have uh, God uh, founding what we do on the gospel. He, as Christ has forgiven us, he wants that forgiveness in the world. And man, it's it, for a lot of a lot of Christians are thinking about this this time of year. It's Lent. This is a beautiful time for us to clear out of our hearts uh, any lack of forgiveness that's there to, to discipline ourselves with that and to to be released to that by God's own forgiveness through Christ in our own lives. That's that's the that's the beautiful thing this time of year is we look at Christ's cross that is always forgiving all of our sins and and that is the power for us to do this. Pastor Jonathan Borman, St. Mark's Lutheran Church, Mankato, Minnesota. How do we find you online? Um, St. Mark Mankato um, dot org is uh, where you can find us. Pastor, thank you so much for for the time and for teaching us and walking us through Mark chapter 11, 12 through 25 today. 
We're grateful. Bless you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Coming up next on Afternoons with Bill Arnold here on Faith Radio, Brant Hansen. He hosts a, a nationwide radio show, and he's an author. He's written an amazing book, one of my favorite books of all time, called Unoffendable. But we're going to talk to him about this book. It's called Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, about how to live full of joy in a world that is so full of anger and anxiety. Next on Faith Radio. Joy. We're going to talk about joy today here on Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hi, I'm Ben. A deep sense of well-being, regardless of circumstances. And guess what? It's not only possible, but it's promised to all who follow Jesus. I know what you're saying. In a world that we live in. Have you seen the news? Historic runaway inflation. Wars in Israel and Ukraine. Nonstop political fighting and backstabbing. Scandal, corruption, death, destruction, reality TV. Who couldn't use a little bit more joy in their life right now? I bet you're probably saying that right now. Life is hard, but God is good. And through him, we can start to see the world in a more childlike, humble, and optimistic way. And I'm so grateful Brent Hansen joins Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. And that's the name of his book. Life is hard. God is good. Let's dance? Brent, what does that mean? Oh, it means that we're actually, by the way, when you said this is Afternoons with Bill, and then you said that's the name of my book, I was like, Oh, is that what I said? Yeah, but, and then you caught yourself, but I was like, is that like Tuesdays with Maury? That's a really (laughs) good idea. I could could totally do that. I wish we could rewind radio, but. I love it. Um, So (laughs) this is realistic, but every time I talk about when Jesus was telling people, like, Consider the lilies of the field. You know, consider the birds of the air, the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying this. And I'll talk about it on the radio with Christians. And they're like, yeah, that's neat. But we obviously, we're, we're still going to worry, right? I mean, we have to worry. I'm like, well, why? And, and there's their reactions like Jesus isn't realistic or he's crazy or something. He's not crazy. He's not unrealistic. We're supposed to be a non-anxious presence in our culture. We're supposed to be weirdly hopeful. We're not supposed to be just anxious about different things. That's what makes us Jesus people or Christians like, or we're just angry about different things. No, we're supposed to be at peace. And this is a very real thing that should be something that's so weird to people when they encounter us in the midst of this culture, that we are actually at peace, that we actually have hope. We're supposed to be so weirdly hopeful that people ask us about it. Mm. We're supposed to have a reason for the hope that we have. And people are going to go, why are you hopeful? So this is doable. It's it's a function of following Jesus. That's what this book is about. It's like how to actually be at peace. And it's not pie in the sky stuff. There are real things that we can do that are in the way of following Jesus that are going to lead to that. So that's what I'm doing in this book. Mm. The Bible says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about absolutely everything. And you just keep showing up and taking Jesus very, very seriously. And by taking Jesus seriously in, in all of life, life has become more joyful for you, more peaceful, full of laughter. We're talking to Brent Hansen on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. For those that, that may not be familiar with you, Brent, your personal journey of, of the really hard stuff that you've gone through, 
uh, to become more joyful through faith in Jesus is inspiring and relatable. Would you share it with her friends? Well, I mean, in brief, because I know a lot of people can relate to this. I've been through some extreme religious hypocrisy growing up and uh, the in a family of a, a pastor, my dad, and um, a lot of trauma. And so where I'm coming from, I'm also fatalistic by nature. Um, so it's, it's amazing that I, I'm the one writing this book, but I think that's a sweet thing about God is how he'll use us. So I'm coming at it from that angle. And I write a lot about my experience around the world, seeing God's kingdom in action. Mm. And it's really beautiful, but as, as jaded and cynical as we can get, and as skeptical as we can get, his kingdom really is what everybody's looking for. Right. And they're yearning for it. Mm. And it's happening. It's, it's, it's being unleashed in the world. It's breaking through. And so I see it at these hospitals I get to work with um, that are all about Jesus, called Cure International Children's Hospitals. But these are full-on surgical hospitals, neurosurgical, uh, orthopedic surgery, and they heal kids with correctable disabilities. And they get to tell them and their families that they're not actually cursed, they're loved. And they get to share the gospel with them and talk about the kingdom of, of God. And they talk about Jesus with every single patient. They did 18,000 some surgeries last year. And like 40,000 plus people became believers at these hospitals last year. The news doesn't cover it. They don't have a big PR department. But I, I bring all that up to say I needed to see that. Like we can get jaded and cynical, but I needed to see the kingdom is still breaking through. And that for me is kind of my journey. Like going, wait, I'm not, I'm not saying goodbye to this. This is too good. I'm not walking away. This is too good. The the healing and proclaiming the kingdom thing is still incredible, and it is happening. You just don't hear much about it. Hmm. That's a sad thing. Why don't you hear much about it? Because it's so much easier to to go the other way, the doom and gloom. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Sells- so this is. Yeah. So this is this is interesting to think about because Jesus' favorite topic is the kingdom of God. Hmm. That's his number one topic, and it's kind of weird that it's not ours. But, but it's so beautiful. And one thing I write about in the book, like everybody's yearning for this. We know this because when we see glimpses of it, even if you're not a Christian, if you're, if you're an atheist, when you see glimpses of the kingdom, you get goosebumps. And to give you an idea about that, I see it when I see these kids get up and they're able to dance or run and play and giggle for the first time in their lives because they're healed. But you can watch YouTube videos where people can hear for the first time or see for the first time and it makes you cry right and or or even reunion videos where like a soldier comes back from the field and surprises his daughter those things like you get goosebumps and it may it makes you emotional same thing with like i always use this example like the olympics opening ceremonies where you see all these countries gathered together all these nations all these peoples and they're in unison and they're at peace and there's a processional so I think that resonates because it's a little glimpse of what the kingdom is like in its fullness. Mm. I call healing what I get to see with healing an advanced trailer of heaven, but it resonates with everybody Mm. because we're made for that place. So it's like, we're nostalgic for this place we've never been It's our real home, but that kingdom is so beautiful that when you understand it, it's like a pearl or, or a treasure in a field, you'll sell everything to get it. It's that good. 
there is reason to be extremely joyful. The fact that we don't talk about that, we talk about so many other things that are peripheral, I don't understand because this is so compelling that if we demonstrate it for people, they'll be drawn to it. If we proclaim this kingdom and we heal and we're agents of healing, like it's, it's so compelling. It's tough to argue with. It so is. Brent Hansen's written this book. It's called Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance. We're giving away 75 copies this month, and you can win yours at MyFaithRadio.com. You know, Brent, as you were talking about the kids and the healing and joy and, and the simplicity of everything, I'm reading Matthew 18, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never right. enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever yep. humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Brent, I have a four-year-old yep. daughter, and I see her faith and how she uh, seeks and searches after and loves Jesus. And she, like you're saying with these kids at Cure, it's a game changer. But as adults, we get so fired up with these things about what we were, we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation. The inflation, the wars, the 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 fighting, right. the backstabbing, the scandal, the corruption. Why? And I, I echo yeah. what you're saying. Why? It is yeah, so much more simple. We we talk a lot about trusting God, but do we? And what I mean is like the way your daughter trusts you. Like she knows you'll you're like I use the example like when I was driving my kids all over the place and we were just doing one errand after another. And finally, my daughter says, well, Dad, where are we going? And ultimately, we were going to the rodeo because I knew she liked horses at the time. <laughs> and it dawned on me, we've spent all day like getting in and out of the car. and She had no idea where we were going. I forgot to tell her. And she was okay with it. And my point with that was, why is she okay with it? Because most of us adults would be like, I need to know where I'm going. What are we doing? I need to know all this laid out ahead of time. Well, she was okay with it because she knows who's driving. And she trusts me. That's why. That's what it means to have faith like a child. I don't have to figure out next week or next year. That's what it means to have to be like the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. The birds don't imagine threats from next year. We're the only creatures that can do that on the planet. And Jesus is saying, you don't actually need to be worried. You are safe with me no matter what happens. Anything you go through is just going to be temporary. You're actually safe. Well, now I can just worry about today or just concentrate on today. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its, uh, its own. So that's a very childlike way to go through life. Like, God, give me my daily bread. Give me my resources for just today. I don't need to worry about next week. And you just go day to day like that. I'm telling you, it's a more lighthearted way to live. You wind up laughing more. Kids laugh like 11 times more than adults, by the mm. way. Like you just have a better, <laughs> it's just a more fun way to live. It's a lighter load. And like you said, you quoted the scripture about like, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It says, tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's mm. done. And then the peace, the peace of God will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. So, that peace is what I'm talking about, a sense of well-being regardless of circumstances. No matter what's happening, you have this undercurrent of well-being. No matter, You can be grieving and be joyful. This joy is that peace, that sense of well-being no matter what. Like This will undergird everything, but it's, it means telling God what you need and being really thankful 
Because if you're grateful, it's very difficult to be anxious. Mm. An attitude of gratitude, we call it here at Faith Radio. We're talking about living simply and joyfully in a world full of anger and anxiety and a, a simple faith that it's not unaware of current events or injustice or pain. The book is Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance. Brant Hansen on Faith Radio this afternoon. Afternoons with Bill Arnold, living at peace in a world that has gone mad. You can win one copy. We're giving away 75 this month. You can win yours right now at MyFaithRadio.com. We're coming up in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about what Brent means by outsourcing your worries. Is that seriously even possible? Next on Faith Radio. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey, Faith Radio is celebrating 75 years of bringing faith to life. That's right. We are 75 this year. So to celebrate, we are giving away 75 Faith Radio birthday boxes packed with all kinds of fun things to help you grow in your walk of faith. And yes, celebrate with us. So we're going to be celebrating the birth and growth and future of Faith Radio all year long. And you are an integral part of the Faith Radio family, and so we want to send you a gift. How fun is that? This is our birthday song. It isn't very long. So to enter to win a Faith Radio birthday box today, come to MyFaithRadio.com. How can you be so joyful in a world this messed up? This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. I'm Ben, and this afternoon's guest is Brand Hansen, who's written this book called Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, How We Live at Peace in a World That Seems to Have Gone Mad. And so, Brand, do you have to be naive or unaware of what's going on in the world? Because I'm pretty sure that you're not unaware of current events or injustice or pain. In fact, they, they hurt you deeply. Yeah, well, that's everybody. You got, there's plenty to be worked up about. We know that. But here's Jesus saying, you can be like the lilies of the field or the birds of the air, and they're not worried. And he's not being unrealistic. So it's not naivete, really. It's knowing more. It's not mo- knowing less. It's not being uninformed that, that gives you this peace. But people will think it is because they'll think you're nuts. If you're not in this culture, if you're not worked up, if you're not anxious and angry, People actually think there's something wrong with you. But I use the example of like Paul on the, he's on a boat in late in, in, late in the Acts story, in the book of Acts. It's going down in a storm. There's 276 people on, the, on board. 275 of them are freaking out. <laughs> They're going to, they know it. The old sailors know it. The, the ship's captain knows it. They're all going to die. Paul isn't freaking out because God told him actually no one's going to die. So that's that's that story in a nutshell. But if you were looking at that from the point of view of everybody else, Paul looks like he's insane. Like, why aren't you freaking out? We're going to die. All of us know it. The experienced sailors know it. What's his problem? He looks naive. The truth is he knew more. He's not crazy. He knows more. So I liken it to, as another example, if I'm worked up about a sports game like when I'm watching it, and there's been, there's been, I'm a sports fan, so I, you can get frustrated at the refs or the umpires or whatever. You can, you can get frustrated at their coaches' calls or, but if your team comes back and wins an epic game at the buzzer, you can rewatch that on YouTube over and over. And I've done this with some, with some games and it's just delight. Hmm. 
the same the same reps call everything because you're not worked out you're not anxious why it's because you know how it ends if you really if you really believe jesus knows how it, this all ends and he's telling you wink wink not you don't actually need to be worried i got this in this world you will have troubles but be of good cheer i have overcome the world i mean if we actually believe that we're going to be this non-anxious presence in this culture that is completely beside itself with anxiety mm. it's that's a beautiful thing absolutely everywhere brent it just is absolutely everywhere is that what you talk about when you say outsourcing your worries well okay so i was different? i thought that well no it's related i i was laughing about this because there's a guy a business expert guy or whatever on time management but he was saying he uses his personal assistant for everything she schedules everything for him she's in india and he outsources everything to her. And one day as a joke, and he wasn't coming at this from a Christian perspective or anything, but one day he was really worried about something. And as a joke, he told her, um, hey, could you worry about this for me today? And she's like, okay. And then he said the weird thing was it worked. Like just knowing someone else was out there worrying for him, he actually was able to concentrate on other stuff that day. And I thought that was really compelling because that's precisely what we're told to do with our worries to God. We're supposed to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Like cast your anxieties, throw the stuff that you're worried about. Okay, fair. You're human, right? But you can develop this discipline of praying about it, asking God, like, God, can you take care of this? Because I can't handle it. I do not have, I do not know what next week holds next year. I do not know what's going to happen with this. You might have some legit concerns, but you go to him with it, say, you need to handle this. He's a lot more effective than a personal assistant, obviously. Mm -hmm. But literally, Old Testament and New Testament, that's precisely what we're told to do is to outsource it to him. And it works. And then we tell him what we're thankful for. And you will be less anxious as a result. Mm -hmm. This will lead to a less anxious lifestyle. Brent Hansen's the guest. Life is hard. God is good. Let's dance is the book. And if you're listening going, wow, I need more of this, well, Faith Radio is giving away 75 copies this month. And you can win yours at MyFaithRadio.com. You talk about, um, you know, seeing what's happening on in the world. And we, we talked about outsourcing our worries, but also the fact that you're, you're not naive. But in your book, you refer to it as a second naivete or maybe even a second simplicity. What does that mean? Yeah, well, because a lot of times in life, if you have a simple faith, some people will think, well, you just don't understand complexity. You don't understand the problems in the world. You haven't traveled enough or something like that's not true. In fact, it's on the other side. What happens is as a kid, you're like, well, Jesus loves me. This I know. And then you get older and these com complex questions and then these doctrinal battles and then this other thing and the other deal like, okay, well, that's, those are important. But in the end, you might find yourself as if you keep pursuing God and you're loyal over time. You might find yourself back to, Jesus loves me. This I know. And people will think you're naive, but they don't know what you've seen, what you've been through, but you know you can trust him. And you don't have the answer for every complex question. That's okay. But you know enough to just trust the character of God. Ultimately, he's good. And I've learned I can trust him. Even if I don't have every answer, I've learned that his character is trustworthy. Well, it looks like this simplistic child childish faith it's not childish just childlike 
but it's not born of lack of knowledge or experience. It's because you've had more and you wind up with a simplicity of faith. That's actually a beautiful thing. The whole world is looking for connection or purpose or hope or really joy. And as you listen to faith radio um, afternoons with Bill Arnold today, my name is Ben. Brent Hansen is our guest. Life is hard. God is good. Let's dance. I haven't read this new book. Your book, Unoffendable, is the greatest book I have ever read in my life. <laughs> Thank you. I... You have to say the, first, say the Bible first and then Unoffendable. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it is so right. good. If you haven't had a chance to read Unoffendable, um, and I would imagine Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance is along the same vein, uh, do it. Yep. If you're listening to Brand Hansen going, wow, 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 wow. Sign up to win a book right now at MyFaithRadio.com or go buy it at Amazon or anywhere you get your books. You know, we're thinking about just, we go to the bookstore a lot with my four-year-old and and there, the self-help section is the entire half section of a giant Walmart-sized Barnes & Noble, right? And the success mm-hmm. plans of business. and But you look at it from a different way and I love it because that's what God does too, but you make deep things so simple. You make them easy right. to understand. Thank you for doing that. And so, do you do? Obviously, I would imagine you do that on purpose, right? Well, I, I guess I. Um, so this is this is weird, and this is not. No one wants a motivational book that says what I'm about to say. <laughs> but I have found that I don't have to know what I'm doing, big picture. Like I'm not setting out to 10 years from now, I'm going to this or that. I don't have big goals career-wise or anything, but I literally have done the thing where in Jesus's prayer, he's like, pray like this. And he just, he says, pray for your daily bread. I have asked God every day to please give me something to say and let it be a blessing to people today. Like, let me have words today. And it's not a big career plan. And then I've asked him to like make my career happen. Like him go before me and make a way, make a path. So I just keep showing up every day. And I do think that this is a plausible way to live if you want to try this. Because everybody's like, you need to have this big vision and then this other thing you're going to be. Okay, then how about I just pray for my daily resources? And I'm an introvert, so I'll ask God, please give me the energy socially I need for today. And I'll know my schedule. Like, please let me be a, a blessing on Faith Radio today. I've got an interview. And then tomorrow I'll look at my schedule and see what's going on. And he has made a way for me. And uh, I couldn't have scripted it. I didn't know what I was, you know, when I sat down to write Unoffendable, I had no idea that I was going to, I was just trying to be faithful in that, that day and write a chapter. And it, it turned out like that. So anyhow, that's, I know it's a different way of looking at life, but. I, I submit that it's a lot more fun and it's there's a childlikeness to it and then you get to see what God does with it. It's pretty exciting. Amen. Brent, I love that. <clears throat> um, I say a similar prayer just about God speak my words, think my thoughts, mm. guide my actions, mm. write my emails, make my decisions, yeah. ask my questions. Um, and then, you know, it is crazy too as people ask, and I'm sure that they've asked you a bunch of times, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your career? Where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? My answer is yeah. in a very childlike, simplistic way, like you're talking about, I have no idea. Whatever, yeah. whatever God wants is what I want to do. I'm not worried about that because God will take care of that. And at, at points in life, it can be so 
adding to the anxiety of all the things that you see in the news and all the other things that we've been talking about. But literally, it's well, that it's that childlike surrender and trust because I'm focused on Jesus, not on myself. And yeah. I need his help because when I'm weak, then he's strong, right? I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. Yeah, I think I think for a lot of people, it's hard to hear that. They, you want to have this sense of control about the future. And that's really what worrying is. It's this weird sense of control. Like if I stay in an anxious place, somehow I'm I'm helping. You're not. <laughs> You're not. And I'm not. It's I liken it in the book. I've heard this analogy before. Like it's like when you go bowling and you release the ball and you can see people at a bowling alley, they start gyrating and then leaning over. Like after they've they're trying to keep the ball out of the gutter or whatever, like by motioning. It's like, dude, the ball is out of your hand. They let it go. It's gone. You can't change it. But there's this weird sense of control, like I'm going to try. And that makes you anxious. That's it. It's this constant striving and chafing and neediness for significance and neediness. Like I'm saying over time, as we as we pursue God, we actually talk to him each day in a childlike way. You keep showing up and talking to him um, and allowing him to take care of your future. He'll do it. He'll do it. And I, I know that's it's hard to let that let that go. But I'm I'm here to tell you, and it's been your experience too. I know I'm older than you, I'm sure, but like uh, it's been my experience that he's done it. Oh. So try it every time. He's done it absolutely every yeah. time without fail. And I get what you're saying, Brand. And we, we're down to our final minute here. It's so hard. You think of the word surrender or letting go and letting God, and you think, well, that sounds easy. It might be one of the hardest things that you can do. But both Brant and I are telling you right now. We'll help you. We're here. You can text us. You can email us. But do it. It is an absolute game changer. Brent, we've run out of time. Brent Hansen, uh, the book is Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance. Win one of 75 copies right now at MyFaithRadio.com. If you don't win one, buy one. And if you don't have the book, Unoffendable, go buy that too. Brent, thank you for your time on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. My pleasure, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Hour two coming up next on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.